podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Eric Ten Hag says Alfonso Davies can't defend, and while he might have a point, if anyone knows players who can't defend, it is certainly Eric Ten Hag. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, guys, my name is Rory, and I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam. Hey, Rory. I, I think this week is all about those orchestra themes. It feels like it's coming to life now. We've got the Champions League and full throw, and we've got now, tonight as we record, Europa League as well as the Conference League. But more importantly, mate, how are you doing this evening? I am very good. <laughs> I got to see the Kaiosaka and Declan Rice stood there with the Champions League music playing behind them. The yeah. atmosphere in the Emirates looked incredible. And I thought, we are back. It was a beautiful week. Um, yeah, feeling super hyped. Really good performance. I'm sure we're going to get onto it. But just the perfect way to head into the North London derby, I think. Um, how are you doing, man? I'm keeping very well. I'm a bit tired from the work from this today's in particular inputs, but... I'm looking forward to this chat because we'll be talking a lot of Champions League football and a lot of uh, previewing as well, Rory. So uh, should we dive into it and uh, let our listeners know what we're going to be talking about? Let's do it. We are, of course, going to be talking about Milan being invaded by Geordies, but them leaving with not much, but maybe more than they deserved. Um, We're going to be talking about... Was it a thriller in Munich or was it actually a terrible game of football? Um, We're going to be talking about Providel reliving his youth Mm. in Lazio. Um, We're going to be talking about Napoli squeezing past Braga with quite a bit of luck. We will be covering Arsenal making a glimmering return to the Champions League to where they belong. And we'll be talking about a difficult night for Inter in the north Mm. of Spain. Um, where, again, maybe they got more than they deserve. So lots and lots to cover. We'll talk Man City as well, but they're a little bit boring, a little less boring than usual uh, this week, but they are a little bit boring. And then we will be discussing, of course, the Premier League and Serie A weekends, as we've got big weekends coming up, especially in North London. Oh, my God. I can't sleep. Um, Guys, we're going to go for a very quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking... The champions. And we are back. Here we go. It is Champions League time and we're going to start where it makes sense in Group A. Now, in the other game that we're going to very quickly sum up, Copenhagen went 2-0 up in Istanbul, but Galatasaray, helped by a Wilfred Zaha assist in the Champions League, scored two goals in two minutes late on in the game to make it 2-2. And on his way out, Polish goalkeeper Grabara had a parting (laughs) shot as he described either the stadium or Istanbul as a shithole. Um, I assumed he did it on the plane as it was leaving because I wouldn't want to still be in Istanbul (laughs) as you are sending that post. Um, But Adam, we were talking about it. You said this guy's got a bit of a reputation. Yeah, he's got a bit of a big head uh, kind of complex, (laughs) shall we say. That's probably why he wears masks to uh, kind of dissuade us from his big head. But um, yeah, he's got high opinions of himself, um, it's fair to say. And last season... 
he didn't have too many kind words for his opposite number, Matt Ryan, if you remember him. Um, ah, that's him. Okay, <laughs> that was right. Him. So this was the moment where Grabara <laughs> kind of grabs an opportunity because Matt Ryan is injured and then uh, has a dig at his uh, teammates at the time, uh, basically calling him lazy and just shit in general. And yeah, um, as you alluded to offline as well, um, he hasn't got many fans in Copenhagen, so um, they cannot wait for him to make his transfer to Wolfsburg at the end of this season. So that's already been confirmed. He signed a contract with them. So uh, yeah. Welcome to the Bundesliga, Camille. So uh, he's going. But he is a that. he is a good goalkeeper, oh, right? Yeah. He is. He, he's, yeah, he's tipped to be a potential Polish international goalkeeper, oh. and uh, and he been, knows it. He's, yeah. yeah, he knows it. But he's been tipped from a very young age. He's kind of gone gone through the ranks, shall we say? Okay, okay. Obviously, spent a lot of time at Liverpool. Had a loan spell at Huddersfield Town. Mm-hmm. Um, had a terrible start there. <laughs> Hence why he's at Copenhagen these days. Um, but yeah, he's built himself back up. And uh, yeah, we could be seeing him being the international goalkeeper. But I think, Rory, you know, goalkeepers have this mentality. They're a bit of a fruit loose or short of a few brain yeah. cells, shall we say. And um, yeah, he's he reminds me of Martinez when it comes to the okay. Oh, nice. We need so more characters need like that. I know he winds people we? up, but I think we need characters like yeah. that. Also, Polish goalkeepers have a little bit of that because Chesney always had a bit of that about him as well. I yeah, remember when he was Borat's at Arsenal as well. He had, Borat, see, he had a bit of an attitude as well, like especially when yeah. it came to the uh, derbies, the old firm derbies. Um, yeah, I yeah, seem yeah, to remember yeah. one occasion where he was like after the game, happy to walk through Glasgow, and like Celtic were had some phone calls from the police saying Artaboric is currently walking through the centre of Glasgow and they're like having to get him to come back Looking home. for a scrap. Ba- basically, yeah. he was just... Go- yeah. And they, apparently his response was, well, I don't care. If they want to have a yeah. scrap, they can have a scrap. Well, well, I'm ready for it, wow. basically. So, yeah, Artaboric is a bit mental, should we say, through through nuts lost. But yes... Um, Having lived in Poland, there are some scary people in Poland, (laughs) I'll be honest, there are some very scary people. Um, But Galatasaray did manage to get a draw out of the game. Still a very good point for Copenhagen away, I would say. Like, very, very difficult Mm -hmm. place to go. Um, And shows that with other teams having to visit there, no matter what happens, Galatasaray are not going to give up without a fight. Um, It's going to be a tricky trip for both Mm. Manchester United and Bayern Munich, I think, um, on what we saw in their game as they went off. Obviously, a game steeped in history. Um, but both the teams from 99 and all that, I think would have been quite disgusted at what they saw um, on Wednesday evening. It was from what I, now I was watching the goal show, so I was yeah. kind of trying to keep on top of all of it. But from what I saw, Bayern Munich very much had the better chances, mm-hmm. uh, very much dominated the mm-hmm. game. But, and it's a big but, defensively, they were as bad as Manchester United. Um and they allow Manchester United back into the game when really they should have been able, yeah. more than able, to, to kill the game yeah. off. Now, obviously, Bayern take the lead through an Onana, um, another yeah. Onana mistake. He's now had 14 shots on target at him, and nine of them have, been, have gone, mm. have, uh, our goals have been goals. Um, so his save percentage at the minute is absolutely in the mud. Um it's just a terrible mistake. But to be fair to him, he did front up after the game. He came out and kind of requested to be interviewed afterwards and said, it's my fault we've lost the game. I need to do better. Yeah. I've apologized to the team. Um, we know this about Anana that he's a very big personality. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
But if you were a United fan, would you be concerned about his form? And do you think there is reason for concern? Or is it just he needs more protection in front of him? Because Manchester United conceded the exact same goal that they conceded against Arsenal, that they conceded against Brighton, and that they conceded in the game before that. I can't remember who it was. Um, So is it a fact he needs more protection? I think so. Um, I mean, granted, maybe you should save that shot, to be fair. Um, But... Given that it was shot from distance from Leroy Sane, it was a good layoff from Harry Kane initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I would say, you know, defensively, they should be coming out. They should be attacking the ball. Um, and I think it's just the same issues that you highlighted on Monday show where they're just, as soon as they're chasing backwards, they really do struggle. They just let their runners go past them. Uh, defensively in the middle, I thought, Martinez and Lindelof again were quite shoddy. They were quite, you know, it was almost like water going through paper, like that kind Mm -hmm. of solidity, (laughs) really. It was that easy to go through them. And I think that's the worry for Man United. There's greater issues than just Onana right now. Um, And again, Ericsson, he's not, not there. He shouldn't be playing a whole 90 minutes. He shouldn't be there full stop not in that role there's a role for him but not in that role he isn't he's never done the defensive side he's never been the guy that tracks back and then there's another issue with Manchester United as well and it's been highlighted with the Scott McTominay clip (laughs) but what I would also say is that there are other players in the Manchester United team that do exactly the same and they do not get anywhere near the same amount of sticks so even I'm just going to pull a name randomly Marcus Rashford um even in the Arsenal game, for the third goal, he lo- he pulls out of a tackle and then just stops running for yeah. Gabriel Jesus's goal. And again, for one of the buying goals at this point, there's a point where the referee basically outruns Scott McTominay <laughs> in an effort to get back. But Marcus Rashford is doing the exact same thing. And I think there's a wider issue within the United squad that there just isn't that application. There mm-hmm. just isn't that level yeah. of application. And that says to me, either it's, well, it could be two things. It could be a lot of things. But it is... Players who clearly don't give enough of a shit mm-hmm. or players who think, well, why bother trying? Because I'm like, even if the manager doesn't pick me, even if it doesn't work, then I'll be here longer than the manager is. Um, it just seems like there's so many bad eggs in that squad at the moment. And it reminds me of when Arsenal were at their lowest and we had a lot of players like that that mm-hmm. just weren't putting shifts in. Like, is there anything that Eric Ten Hag can do at this point? Is it just a matter of patience and waiting to move these players on? Is it him not having authority? Like, what do you think the issue is? Because it is just a lack of application. I I mean, he alluded outside, so post-match in an interview, saying that the application was wrong on the night. They didn't do the basics right. And Mm -hmm. he was very frustrated at that aspect. Um, but again, like they've conceded three goals in the last three games. Every game they've conceded at least three goals, right? So mm-hmm. it does kind of maybe spark that debate as to what does Eric Ten Hag and his coaching team actually do like outside of the match day? Because mm-hmm. at the moment, it doesn't feel like they've learned. They don't seem to adapt. There is that kind of, I think, some arrogance from on Ten Hag's side of things where mm-hmm. he's persistent in keeping the same kind of formation and I think he's maybe over reliant on certain players I think that's that's the real aspect I mean we do have to highlight that Man United have got a bit of an injury crisis at the moment they've got a number of players out and that probably plays a part Um, 
but equally you would expect with the caliber of players that got at the disposal right now they should be doing better but even so you're not telling me that you, you know certain players can't be dropped and I don't mm. see that happening on a regular basis I don't see him like pushing the agenda if he, he feels like you're maybe alluding to which is we've still got a bad mentality hanging or lingering in that squad like you should be trying to address it you should be trying to yeah, yeah. like well there's an air of no matter what Rashford does he's going to get picked no matter what Bruno Fernandes does he's going to get picked no matter what I don't know, Anana does, he's going to get picked because Eric Ten Hag can't afford to not pick them because they haven't got that depth in the squad. They haven't got the backups. And this yeah. is all part of like the issues within the club. Now, I think we do have to say, look, they scored three goals at the Allianz and they yeah. didn't win. Part of that is unlucky, right? If you turned up, if you said to them, nine o'clock Wednesday morning, you're going to score three goals this evening, they'd be like, oh, perfect, sweet. Okay, so we win the game, right? Like yeah. there is still, they, they were able to do enough attacking-wise to get three goals. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm going to switch to Bayern at this point, the Bayern defending for those goals was yeah. absolutely atrocious. Um, especially the Casemiro, the first Casemiro goal, mm-hmm. where he's like lying on the floor and just manages to get a shot off. Really good goal, really yeah. quick thinking from him. Great finish. But that is the one time that Manchester United were able to do some one-touch passing and they just went straight through Bayern. Like there was mm-hmm. no, like all of a sudden the, the, the defenders didn't know what was happening. So I think, there was a lot of those goals were gifted to United as well of because course, Bayern yeah. defensively, and they have been in, in the Bundesliga in general this year, defensively they've been all over the place. This is why they wanted Palina, right? Yeah. This is like, and it's typical of Bayern not being where they usually are. The fact they even left the business to the last day of the window. Yeah. Usually they get that stuff done first day of the window and they don't have to worry yeah, about exactly. it. But obviously they wanted that, that more defensive mm. um, sturdiness in the midfield. They didn't have it. Kim Min-jae is still getting used to the league, new team. It's, the defence still felt a bit all over the place and a bit too easy to get through. Obviously, they've not got their first choice keeper either. But I think we do have to give credit to Man United. They scored three goals at the Athens. Arsenal never did, did that. I'll tell you that. Like, I would have mm. died for yes. Arsenal to do that once. Um, but for the positives for Bayern Munich... Um, I'm really impressed with how quickly Harry Kane is forming relationships with players in that yeah. team. I think he still needs to find clearly what his role is or get used to his new role. Because with Muziala as the number 10, who, by the way, what a player. Yeah. Like, just what a player. I wish he'd chosen England over Germany because, <laughs> my God, him and Bellingham in the same team would just be unfair. Yeah. Like, it, the guy is insane. But with him as a number 10, obviously Harry Kane doesn't need to drop as deep so often. He is more of that, like, what Bayern have always had, that t- target yeah. man, big man up front, just clinical mm. finisher. So I think he still needs to get used to that new role. But the relationship him and Muziala already have is insane. Yeah. Like, they're able to find each other with passes. They instantly know where each other are, making runs off each other. Like, Muziala tends to float out left a little bit. Harry Kane's on the right a bit more. Mm-hmm. But that relationship straight away is looks really threatening. And then the wingers with Sane and Gnabry or whoever it is, that attack like has such potential. And I think Bayern are always going to be a danger in this competition. But defensively, I think that's where they're going to fall down. Like, were you impressed with Bayern, or do you think they'll they'll get through the group? But how far are they really going to get? I I feel they are very top heavy at the moment. So, Mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is they seem to be really good going forward and if anything 
probably the four goals flattered Man United because I think they could have scored more. They yeah. could have easily, they hit the post, obviously. They had a few chances that they should have taken, for example. Um, so it could have been even more. Um, but you are right in saying there is issues defensively, goalkeeper being one of them, but defensively they are still trying to get a grapple hand of it. Obviously, Kim Min Jae has just joined from Napoli, but he joins a defence that isn't particularly strong. They came off a really just about kind of got the title last season, mm-hmm. last year. Yeah, barely. Tuchel has come under a lot of criticism about the way they play because obviously the fans and the board are used to a more solid structure of a team, whereas they're seeing their team concede goals. I remember seeing Harry Kane's debut against RB Leipzig in that cup. Mm-hmm. And obviously they, they were so poor defensively, they let easy goals. And I think this is going to be the theme until they address it. But I think the problem is, like you say, they let, let that business for Paulinho really late into the window. They should have confirmed it at least a few days earlier if they felt that was a way. But that goes to show you the issues between Tuchel and the board at the moment because there is that friction between them. There's still rumours that you know Tuchel and Bayern Munich might not see the whole season out. So that'll mm-hmm. be fascinating to see what happens there. Um, but for now, yeah, I, I, I still think Bayern stand a really good chance. But yeah, defensively, they really need to address it. And I'm sure... The idea is January transfer window is where they're going to approach it. It's more difficult to buy in January, but they're going to have to yeah. get it done. They're going to have to get it done. We're going to leave it. We're going to leave yes. Group A yeah. there. Obviously, we're buying Munich on top on three points. Manchester United bottom with zero. Not a great start. We're going to move on to Group B now. I'm not going to spend too much time here because I realize no one really gives a shit about Arsenal <laughs> PSV beyond me. But um, Lons Sevilla drew one all. Mm. If you've not seen the Lons equalizer, it is an absolute banger from a free yeah. kick. Um, beauty of a goal. The Sevilla goal was some terrible goalkeeping, but a really like looped header. Yeah, managed to split the points there, which is makes the Good. evening for Arsenal even better as mm-hmm. they run out four nil winners against PSV, a team that caused us problems in the Europa League last mm. year. They beat us, um, so I think it was really important for Arsenal to get off yeah. to a really good start. Just one thing I want to talk about here, and you can guarantee, I know you know what it's going to be, (laughs) Bakayo Bloody Saka. He is the player that gave us hope when we were at our lowest, and he sent that tweet that said, you deserve more Arsenal fans, and he's managed to get us back into the Champions League, and for him to score eight minutes into his Champions League debut and be the first player to score for us when we come back into the competition is just a lovely bit of poetry. I'm so Mm. happy for him that it happened. He went on to get an assist as well. Uh, Martin Odegaard is one of the best midfielders in the world. I don't care what you say. Mm. Um, And Emil Smith-Rowe got a run out and got an incredible, incredible reception from the Arsenal fans, which is great to see. Interestingly, David Raya started the game. I think David Raya is now our number one. Um, I think we're going to see him start in in the North London derby fine he's kept two clean sheets that's two more than Aaron mm-hmm. Ramsey's kept this season Aaron Ramsdale's kept this season so you can't drop him um as far as I'm concerned it's unfortunate for Aaron Ramsdale because he did he got us to the Champions League I think it was extra extra kind of um ruthless for Arteta to not start him but yeah. that's what that's what Arteta's done the whole time that's how we've got where we are he needs to keep doing it so yeah impressive 4-0 win um Beautiful. And William Saliba is an absolute Rolls Royce. 
unbelievable. Some of the play he had in that game. There's a there's a, a move where he shifts it from his right to his left foot and right again, which looked like prime Iniesta <laughs> as he just plays it out of midfield. It's incredible, honestly. Um, but we're going to move on to Group C because okay, uh, yeah. I think we're going to leave it there. Yeah. Real Madrid Union Berlin. Let's talk about it quickly. Yeah. Real Madrid beat Union Berlin 1-0. Adam, guess who scored in the 95th minute? Was it Jude Bellingham by any chance? It was Jude <laughs> Bellingham. Now, I saw a fantastic video. I don't know if you've seen it, of Jurgen Klopp reacting to oh, finding no. out that, you, that Jude Bellingham has, has scored. He's like, someone shows him the score and he's like, ah. And you just see him go, Bellingham. <laughs> and he's like, and that is just a reaction. Yeah, right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The guy has got when he scored the goal, I turned around to Mrs. and was like, it is, Jude, it is Jude's world and we're just living in it. Like, he is just <laughs> absolutely running shit at the minute. Um, Union Berlin played really well for so it long. Yeah. Leonardo Bonucci was fantastic. Um, but yeah. Yeah. they took Bonucci off and they conceded. Is that a coincidence, Adam? No, I don't believe it. Don't believe it at all in this kind of karma and status but no i think he had a good game and i was going to also highlight gosens who was uh mm-hmm. previously of inter also had an opportunity to score for union which would have been some party if union were able yeah. to get away with a win and in fairness they did dig in deep because uh real madrid had a lot of shots on goal Possilu had a host of chances and that probably explains the levels right now mm-hmm. unfortunately Hosselu's not a Real Madrid striker. I'm no. sorry, but he shouldn't be there. Um, it, but yeah, I, I felt sorry for him towards the end because everything he headed, it was just an inch <laughs> just, wide. It was just not quite there. It was quite painful to watch. And you can see it's just someone who knows that they're not qualified enough for the job they're do, doing. Do you reckon the scout like, was like, <laughs> Jonathan Walters, Hosselu, which one suits better yeah. for the Bernabeu? <laughs> oh, can Crouchy still get a game out of him? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, but Real Madrid get, did get away with the win. Union Berlin, I was really impressed with. It wasn't even mm. super negative either. They no. played some nice stuff, like on the counter, really good team. Really, really impressed with them. But we need to... We're an Anglo-Italian pod, yes. goddammit. We yeah, need yeah. to talk about Napoli Braga. We do. Rudy Garcia is a very, very relieved man. Very he is a man. very relieved man. Um, Di Lorenzo bangs, smashes one in yep. off, the, off the crossbar. Um Napoli obviously then just sit back and let Braga get all the attacks. Yeah. Braga equalize. Um so and it looks nice. like Rudy Garcia is in hot water again. And then he's gifted the one of the strangest own goals I've oh, ever yeah. seen. I'm not sure what the defender was trying to do. Like describe it to us, Adam. What do you so, think he was trying to do? He was, I think, trying to scoop it over his own goal. Um mm. it's very hard to describe it because Zelinski kind of whips in the ball because he is on the rebound. Zelinski reacts the quickest. Yeah. He gets a quick ball into the box. Now there's a few Braga defenders in the box. They they're not really looking beyond their shoulders, so they don't really know if there's Osserman hanging around or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But he kind of sticks out his leg slash thigh and he, he's trying to scoop it, but he scoops it in such a manner that it's, it would make a fantastic goal for a striker. Yeah. Like it was one of those that he just blasted it into net. And I think the scene for me, Rory, was seeing the bench go, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, <laughs> like yeah. of all the things all he could have players. done at that moment, just we didn't yeah. need that. Uh, and because they were unlucky, Braga, on the night. They, Like you say, they should very. have scored more mm. goals. Um, and like you say, Napoli are very lucky. That said, Osman did have his chances as well. Yep. He should have probably done better with... Uh, 
one or two, I'd probably say. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a shout for penalty at one stage, which was rightly going the other way. It yeah. definitely wasn't a penalty, let's put it that way. Um, but he should have done better with the chance where he had a one-on-one with the goalkeeper and somehow he yeah, hit yeah, at the yeah. goalkeeper. So, yeah, um, very lucky. Garcia's not going to be there for very long. No, no he's no. not. The The look of relief on his face as the goal <laughs> went in, he was just, he like puffed out his cheeks and was like, thank <laughs> God for that. But like, yeah, the, the, the look on the Braga faces players on the bench, because you could, there was one where he kind of clocked the camera was looking at him and he, you could see him be like, don't look angry, don't look angry. We can't be angry yeah. at this guy. But it, the first time I saw it, it looked like he just batted it in. Like yeah. Jude Bellingham's finish in the 95th. <laughs> like it looked like he just smashed it into the net. And I was like, the frig was that? Um, but yeah, Napoli, super, super lucky. Rudy Garcia, honestly, he is on, he's a dead man walking. And I think, <laughs> But then you look at the defence and you're like, how have you fallen so far so quickly? I it know. was Ostergaard and Juan Jesus, right? Last yes, night. it was. Um, all of a sudden, it just looks so creaky and so old. <laughs> Meret looks extra exposed. Like Anguissa suddenly isn't the player he was. Like It just looks like the shadow of the team last year. Napoli mm. fans must be fucking gutted. But they did get a win. There will be people saying, look, you know, the teams that do well, they're the ones that play badly yeah. and still win. Like, that's how you win things. And that is valid. But Braga definitely deserve more out of this. And I think yeah. they're a team that could still cause problems to a lot of teams. Like, I was definitely. really, really impressed with them. Um, but yeah, that leaves Napoli and Real Madrid tied at the top of the table on three points each with a goal difference of one each. Mm. Um, we're going to move on to Group D. Where now Salzburg Benfica? We wanted to talk about this, Adam. A bit yes. of a mad game. It was pretty epic in terms of like events going on because yeah. we've got two penalties, one missed by Salzburg, and then the second one being scored, uh, sending off because of the resultants uh, penalty. So it was a second well. one because the first one, the goalkeeper pretty much punches the Salzburg player, gets a yellow card, but on the second one, had no choice because the uh, Benfica player kind of tries to pretend that he hasn't touched it deliberately, but he kind of does a mini punch, a bit like what Ericsson gave away for that Man United it penalty is. a little bit. But There's yeah. like a conscious decision where he's like, yeah. oh, I've missed it. Frigate, and then just punches it. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. He knows what he's doing, basically. He's yeah. just hoping there's not not any cameras in the stadium. There's no cameras happens, in the right? stadium. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Salzburg take the lead, but they look the most dominant. Um, that said, Angel de Maria almost scores for Benfica from a corner as well. Um, but Benfica, not the Benfica that we've kind of associated for the last few years, let's put it that way. And um, I wanted to highlight that Salzburg actually... We should take a notice of this team, especially with the coach. Uh, we've got it's um, Marcus Schuber, who was previously of Barnsley. He then moved on to New York Red Bull and now finds himself as part of the uh, Red Bull establishment at Salzburg. So if he does well there, I can imagine that if Marco Royce doesn't do so well in uh, the German equivalent at Leipzig, then he'd probably stand a chance, Rory. But um, fantastic result for them. And then, Rory, we have to obviously move on to the other Italian side in Group D, which is Inter. And they managed to scrape with a point in from Royal Sociedad. Very lucky to some extent. Barella in, almost no, I, sent I think, off as well. But just, we won't we'll talk about more the game itself. Incredibly lucky. Yeah. Like, incredibly lucky. If Sociedad could finish... 
that would have been five nil at half time. Yeah. I think they hit the crossbar, they hit the post. Um, Oyathabal, is it? Had a header that went just over the bar. Lenormand had a few chances which he should have scored. Inter just looked absolutely wide open. Now, obviously, with the um, starting lineup, Inzaghi did kind of change it around a bit. Um, so he started Aslani, right? And I think a lot of Inter fans were thinking, right, okay, finally, this is yeah. Aslani's chance. He's got to start him now. He did not have the greatest game. Um, the midfield all of a sudden was very, very wide open, um, leaving DeVry Bastoni completely exposed. I think the only interplayer that came out with any real credit was Pavard, I thought played pretty yeah. well. Um, Dumfries is hilarious. Um, Arnautovic <laughs> did nothing. And if it wasn't for Lautaro Martinez genuinely, possibly mm. being world-class at this point, I don't think he would get anything out of this game. Um, and Jan Sommer as well, a great keeper, great price, and he kept them in the game. I yeah. think what Inzaghi might have learned about his squad here is maybe he can't trust them as much as he thought. Maybe he maybe mm. he doesn't have as much. Maybe you can make one or two changes, but not like wide-scale changes yeah. like he seemed to make last night. There was like four or five changes last night, right, into yeah. the squad. I think maybe you need to have that core and then you just cycle ones and twos because you don't have that full squad depth yeah that we like last week i was saying like i think their depth is is, is insane but maybe you just need to rotate a little bit less because going to a stadium like that where the atmosphere is insane and sociedad are not a bad team like they're yeah, a very good, good team yeah. um that kubo on loan from real madrid is so exciting um i think he put the cross in for the goal right yeah, um I think, so, yeah. I think he got the assist it was an incredible cross um or maybe that was the one that went over the bar. Anyway, he his delivery all night was insane. His ability to beat a man is like another incredibly mm. exciting Japanese player, um, which is great to see. But playing in that stadium with that atmosphere is always going to be a tricky night. And I think maybe Inzaghi took it a little bit too lightly. Um, they'll be very, 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 very relieved they got out with a yes. point. Like, What were your impressions of the game and Inter? Yeah, I think you're, you've summed it up really nicely. I think they were very lucky. Um, I, I'm surprised to an extent that he changed it as much as he did because, like you say, you're going away. It's not like it, it was a home game. If it was a home mm -hmm. game, you kind of may forgive him for making these changes. And I appreciate he kind of alluded to the freshness that he wants to maintain that going forward as well because I think that's what Inter have been known for doing previously. But I think you're right in terms of alluding that this is type of players he's bringing in are kind of you know not so many experienced pros whereas previously when he had the likes of Jekko etc that were being rotated they could do a job for him and I think mm -hmm. that that's the difference we're talking about here is the levels of experience especially on an international night they were up for it as well Sociedad yeah. you could tell that and um, they made a hell of an impression so fair play to them but you, you're right I think Inter will feel aggrieved potentially that they didn't nick a, more than just a point in the end because you know he had that Turam goal that was judged slightly yeah. offside. Um, but yeah, Lotaro, you know, he saves them essentially from uh, leaving without the points. I think it's fair to say. So yeah, um, lesson learned for both Inzaghi and Inter, and I think they're glad and... to go away with the point. Yeah, and do you think Barella was lucky to not be sent off? I think Var did a good job, and they made the right decision I, that I he think... was just he was trying to get his foot out of the yeah. clasp of the player's legs, right? I think, yeah, the right decision was concluded. I think under a certain referee, they might have seen it the other way. I think it's the the kind of I don't know what's the right word, but tension or how he kind of tried to wriggle himself out yeah. of it. I think if he doesn't use so much force. 
then it probably wouldn't have been steamed even a red card in the first yeah, place, yeah, would it? Yeah. Um, but it's just the vigor of how he tries He was very to... enthusiastic to yeah. get his leg out, <laughs> yes. wasn't he? Yeah, and we were yeah. saying, Barella's got a habit of doing this at the Champions League stages, hasn't he's he? Got, he's, he's a bit hot-headed. I love him. He's a bit hot-headed. But I did also think, because it was, was it Michael Oliver, the ref? Yes, and was. he was the one who was verbally <laughs> abused in the airport, right? Was that him? No, when no, he was no. That's Anthony out? Taylor. You're Anthony Taylor. Him. He was on VAR. Anthony yes. Taylor was on VAR. Um, I'm pretty sure, and the um, and the commentators were talking about that. Oh, English refs—they're not popular in Italy already. They're going to be like lynched if he sends Barella off for this. Um, but yeah, the, the the right decision was reached in the end. Um, so yeah, disappointing start for Inter there, I think, mm. and maybe a few lessons learnt. Um, but Real Sociedad are such an exciting team to watch, yeah. and there's always an Arsenal link. Seeing Kieran Tierney playing in the Champions yeah, League in course. that stadium, I was just. I'm so happy for him, honestly. Like, I wish he was still at Arsenal, but I'm just delighted that he's at a club that apparently the fans love him already. Mm. He's playing every game. He's in the north of Spain, just loving life. Like, it looked amazing. I was like, I was just so happy for him. Um, so yeah, great to see him doing well as well. And he mm. did play quite well from what I saw. Yeah. He played really well. Um, so good lad, Kieran. Still love you, mate. Um, we are going to move on, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's everything in Group on. D, right? Move on to the next group. Nice. Group E. Oh, this is where the fun starts. So <laughs> yes. let's talk Lazio Atletico Madrid. Now, it all started quite nicely. There was a few weird things that happened before the game, or kind of things of note. Mm. Uh, the first thing was Lazio fans unfurled a banner yeah. um, for Diego Simeone, saying yeah, you are home, nice. Rome is always the, like, Rome will always be a home for you. Now, there were stories that Lazio fans booed the minute silence for Morocco and Libya. But that didn't happen. It was Atletico fans who were chanting against Lazio during the minute silence. So all very savory, guys. All as lovely as you can imagine. Um, But the game, what were your impressions of the game before we get to like the the moment we all want to talk Uh, about? It almost felt like... um... Lazio shat themselves like they really did struggle to get themselves into the game and obviously we'll summarize it by the goal at the end but I think they really did struggle to make a real statement here Um, and you know it took the goal from Atletico to really shake them up a bit Um, and that's when you started to see a few more kind of shots and opportunities being created but again even for this free kick that eventually Provadal does score was it just me or all the Lazio players kind of coming backwards? Like they almost weren't attacking it. Like I know the ball was whipped in and probably the assumption is Lou Alberto is going to hit the top corner, but it needed Providal's kind of directional kind of header on it to divert it past Jan Oblak. So I think they were very lucky, Um, but it's typical Atletico. We said about it on our WhatsApp chat, like, they always seem to bottle it in the Champions League. And again, they're kind of just showing this mental aspect that they seem to struggle with. But otherwise, on the night, I think they were very unlucky not to go away with three points. What was mm-hmm. your thoughts otherwise? Yeah, I thought they dominated in general, really. I thought Lazio weren't as quick as they usually are, which is a trend that we've seen throughout the season, really. They've not been as quick as they were at times last season. It has been a bit slow. It's been a bit like difficult to get through that. There seems to be like a block in midfield or something. It's just quite slow Mm. moving up the pitch. I feel like it was quite easy for Atletico to deal with. If Atletico Atletico were a different team, they would have tried to kill the game off a little bit harder. I think they they did have chances to do it, but they weren't really 
busting a gut to get that second or third goal. Um, and it left Lazio with the door open. I think there, there's two mm. teams that maybe Atletico aren't as good as they used to be. Yeah. I think I thought Griezmann played well. I thought there were some players who did stand out yeah, and did put in a decent performance. But um, the interesting thing was Sadi and Luis Alberto um, having a bit of a beef, mm. um, which has happened a few times. There's been a few yeah. stories. They about don't Luis like each other, I don't think. No, they don't like each other at all. Um, where he's just threatened, like, I'm just going to move to Spain. I'm going, like, I'm, yeah. I'm done with this. And then Summit keeps him in Lazio. I don't know what it is. But they had another bit of a disagreement about something. Um, so obviously not all going particularly well there at the moment. But... It's fine because Providell scored. And I have to say about that goal, that was like, it looked like it was practiced on the training pitch. And how how Providell ran through with no one marking him in a bright yellow kit is absolute <laughs> madness. And he took the header. It was a beautiful was header. Beautiful. It was like a textbook striker's header. Like if, if Ronaldo scores that header, people are like, what a yeah, genius. Exactly. What, like, look at how he found that space absolute clinical header and i was like well how has this happened right what is going yeah. on well it turns out he was a striker for Pordenone in his <laughs> um in his youth career right so he has got a bit of form for this um and also i saw a record now i need to find this about goalkeepers scoring in the champions league i think and I, here we I go right was, so yeah go on you can you remember yep. beyond providel can you give me any other goalkeepers that have scored in the pre- in the champions league sorry so I don't know them all, but I did hear this stat, but I know one of them is Hans Jörg Butt scoring, I want to say, three times, twice against Juventus, was it? All three times against <laughs> Juventus. All three times. Hans Jörg Butt scored against Juventus in 2000, 2002 and 2009, um, so, which is such a mental statistic. Um, the other goalkeepers for stats fans out there were Sinan Bolat, um, who scored against Standard Liège in 2009, and Championship Manager legend Vincent Inyema, uh, Nigerian goalkeeper who scored against Leon in 2010. Um, I absolutely love that Juventus conceded three, <laughs> three goals <laughs> to the same, to the same goalkeeper. <laughs> like at no point, the, the the coach turned around and goes, "Oh, guys, remember, just just remember, just keep it in the back of your head. He's done it once, right? Just keep an eye on him if he comes up, right? Because he has got form for it." But I absolutely love that stat. Um, a lot of time for that. But yeah, beautiful to see. Providel goal, 95th minute equaliser. Oh, I love it. I love it. Sometimes, no matter all this, you know, planning like the fine margins and fine <laughs> yeah. details, sometimes just throwing just your throw goalkeeper up, up at the last yeah. minute, yeah. it still works, right? It still you, works. You've got to love it. Um, you have got to love it. You've got to, listeners. You've got no choice. Um, good. We're going to leave. Oh, Group E. What else happened there? Feyenoord and Celtic. Oh, my yeah. God. Feyenoord and Celtic. <laughs> that was a bit of I a bonfire, leave, wasn't it? I can't believe we got that game. Um, oh, Celtic. Celtic. <laughs> what is going on? So, the first, they ended up with nine men, yeah, right? they did. Which instantly gives it, like, school playground feeling. Like, you know, when all of a sudden you're playing against the year 11s, you're in yeah, year basically. 8, and it feels like you are being outnumbered and outmuscled. It just feels comical at that point. But... The second red card, there's no question about it at all. It was a dangerous tackle, just yeah. absolute stupidity. The first red card is harsh as fuck. I don't know what you thought about it. It was so harsh. Yeah, I mean, it is. Um, but unfortunately, the letter of the law was followed through there. Um, 
not that I think it was right, but that that yeah, that yeah, unfortunately yeah. is a bit like very similar to that Man United penalty that was given yeah. against them. Yeah, 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 it is the letter of law, but Celtic are living up to that stigma again, where they just don't seem to be able to mentally get over this kind of aspect of winning away in Europe at the moment. Yeah, they yeah. just seem to struggle and they did show some promising signs in the early stages. Mateta had that shot, which if it doesn't hit the post, that goes in. So potentially yeah. that changes away. And to be fair, you know, Celtic did have their moments. They did, you know, on the counter-attack, I felt like they were really quite, yeah, you know, dangerous um, but like you say, unfortunately, they lost their heads. As soon as that first red card happens, yeah, you, you think Brendan Rodgers should kind of just shore it up. Just, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. just the, he just doesn't, he just doesn't. I, th- I think that's naivety on his side. He kind of talks about after the match that he was proud of his players, how he felt this was a good experience for them. But it's not really a good experience to lose. When really yeah. this this kind of game, Feyenoord are a good side. That's the thing I will give them. And I think this is mm-hmm. the problem. But th- these are the kind of games that you want to be at least trying to draw. Just getting a point, you know, away from home. And unfortunately, I still allude to the business in the summer. And I know that's kind of a theme with Celtic fans that they've got about 70 million in the bank not doing anything apart from getting interests. What are they doing with it? Like (laughs) it always feels like that they're waiting for the next move of a player before they start realizing, oh shit, we've got to reinvest in terms of our squad. So yeah, disappointing night for Celtic. Good result for Feyenoord, who I thought under Arnie Slot should have scored probably more goals on the night. Um, fairly handsome. They, they had they quite had. a few chances yeah. that kind of grazed the bar and stuff. And obviously, as you'd expect, 11 versus 9, it was a bit yeah, of course. attack versus defence towards the end. Well, Celtic kept it at 2-0. One player I was really impressed with for Celtic, and I've been impressed every time I've watched him, is Maida. Maida? Maida, yeah, um, yeah. The right winger. He looked super dangerous, that guy. Super direct, really fast, strong. Looks mm. like a really, really good player. I was yeah. a big fan of him and then thought... Even though Celtic were massively um, underwhelming, he came out with a bit of credit. Mm. I also think Johnston at right back is a very good player as well. I like him. Um, But yeah, difficult, difficult night for Feyenoord. My last thought, I forgot Yuri and Timber had a brother and they look exactly the same. (laughs) And I was watching the game and I I genuinely had to double take. I was like, oh, oh, right. Okay, yeah, his brother, that's fine. Um, Yeah, it was. They look, they might be, are they twins? They are twins. I think they are twins. I've seen the. Football or football, not totally football sketch where Duncan Alexander jokes about them having bunk beds and right. he says, okay. "What do you think they say if one of them falls over?" Falls, Timber. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. Too Classic. Fair, fair yes. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very good. I like that. Um, yeah, so that was Group E. Yeah, um, Ord on top. Feyenoord on top, mm. flying. Love it. Last Celtic, lots of work to do there. Lots of work. Two players suspended for three games now is an absolute <laughs> kick in Car the nuts crash. as well. So bad. That second tackle was genuinely criminal. I don't know what his foot was doing so high up there. Um, but we're going to move on to Group F, the one that everyone, everyone's been going, why aren't we talking about this group yet? Why hasn't that happened? <laughs> well, actually, the fixtures were a little bit underwhelming, despite how big um, this, this group is. The games, I think, were hugely underwhelming but we're going to start with the most overwhelmingest of them all or (laughs) underwhelmingest of them all um milan was invaded by newcastle fans um you'll be happy to know i successfully avoided all of them Um, (laughs) i i thankfully my my um 
my commute to work doesn't involve the center of the city. So I was like, okay. I'm Could you hear them though? The Could you hear them when you were walking around the streets of Milan? No, the the girlfriend did encounter quite a few of them um, <laughs> on her way on her way from somewhere. I can't remember. She's yeah. like, there's loads of people in black and white, and they talk weird. And I was like, yeah, that'll be them. Um, <laughs> there was like thousands of them. Obviously, it looked like they had a really good time. To be fair, um, yeah, there was a Newcastle fan who yeah. swam in Navili, which is like the ca- the canal, canal yeah. um, parts of Milan. You couldn't pay me to jump in that water. I'm sure he has hepatitis A through to Z now because there are dead bodies and guns and all sorts in the bottom of that water, man. I do not want to know what you've gone home with because bloody hell, rather you than me. But it looked like they had a great time. The weather was like the UK, so it was tipping it down the entire time. They were sliding along the marble floors. I think the people in Milan were a little bit confused as to what was happening. Um, Because even for English people, like I love Newcastle, great nights out. I've been there plenty of times. It's an extra notch of like English stereotypes in it when they're drinking, yeah. I think. Um, and there was a great video of Danny Graham, um, ex Sunderland yes, yeah. but Newcastle fan, pissed to have his head with a two pinter in yeah. his hand, like drinking in the bars. So I was like, what a hero. Um, but I'm talking about all this because there was nothing to talk about <laughs> on the pitch. Um, it was M- Milan nil, Newcastle nil. Mm-hmm. Um, I tweeted at the time, and I'll get your thoughts on it, Adam. Yeah. All the money in the world to play football like that. Yes, yeah. I mean, look, I I personally felt that was clearly the game plan. That was what they intended to do. I think, look at it from a pragmatic point of view, they didn't want to lose this game. They wanted mm-hmm. to at least try and get a point. That helps them to get out of the group. Now, if they can just draw all their away games, take them back to St. James's Park, they know it's going to be a bit of a fortress because the fans yeah. will be on their side. They're hoping the atmosphere plus the night will help inspire the uh, team. You saw it when they were kind of got the camera in front of the Newcastle players and uh, Jacob Murphy, I think it is. And he's like, that was a nice it. moment. That was a that nice, was a nice moment, moment, wasn't it? It was just loving the moment. But yeah, it's fair to say they, they knew what they were up to. They used their kind of version of the dark arts, time wasting anything they could just to uh, delay the time. Uh, Milan, they had the fair share of opportunities, Rory. They should have done better. Rafael Leal had a disappointing night. What is he doing with that back heel? What is he doing? But he had other opportunities as well during the duration of this match. He should do better. Giroud, you know, he's not as quick as he used to be, but still... (laughs) He was never quick. No, (laughs) he he never moved that quickly. (laughs) But again... It's just those little moments. They're the kind of moments that Milan will be cursing. Um, it was interesting prior to the game, purely invited Ibra, the lion hunter, whatever you want to call him these days. Um, yeah, just to inspire the team. And yeah, it's a bit worrying when you've got Tomori, who's come back from his suspension, being the best player for your team. Um, unfortunately, midfield-wise, even they disappointed. I don't mm-hmm. know if you felt the same. But yeah, just, yeah, uninspiring Milan's team that are frustrating their fans again. More question marks for Pioli. It's going to make it harder. It's going to make them make yeah. it very hard for them to qualify now, I feel. Because that's a much worse result for for Milan than yeah. it is for Newcastle, obviously. Like Milan need to be winning their games at home. And for yeah. them to not win that game, obviously, maybe I'm stating the obvious here, but it is a much worse result for them. Um, I think... 
yeah, I was disappointed with a lot of a lot of players for, for Milan, really. I thought Reinders, when he came on, was really good, added a bit of energy to the midfield and kind of gave a bit of that spark. But Leao just... It's like we said about the Milan derby, though. If he yeah. doesn't do anything, Milan don't do anything. Yeah. They just rely on him so much. Yeah, and I think... And then you saw like both the positive and negatives of Liao in that move. Mm. Like he beats four players, and he looked head and shoulders better than every other player exactly. on that pitch the entire ninety minutes. But then, rather than just sticking it bottom corner, keep mm. it simple, just get that goal. Then you can start showing off. Exactly. He tries to be clever, back heels the ground, and then falls over. <laughs> and it's like it was. It's just so so frustrating, so frustrating. But I think. What I also realise is that like a lot of the players in the Newcastle team, mm. like, I like Jacob Murphy. He's a decent Premier League player. Yeah, yeah, of course. I don't know if he's a Champions League player. No. Um, Sean Longstaff, very good Premier League player. Does a job. Don't know if he's Champions yeah. League standard. And I'm going to extend that to Anthony Gordon as well because he mm. looked miles out of his depth. <laughs> um, and I think... There's just that, and obviously Newcastle have been praised for their pragmatic approach, which is good. They've not just done like a Chinese Super League and just or bloody <laughs> yeah. Saudi Super League, yeah, even yeah. though it's the same yeah, thing I know now. What you mean. Like, and just bought big names and gone, let's go mad. They're trying to be pragmatic about it, but also I think maybe they're a bit ahead of schedule, or they've not mm. their recruitment hasn't caught up to where they are now. Yeah, because there's still a lot of players in that squad where I'm like. Almiron had a purple patch and now everybody's kind of forgetting that he's actually a pretty average player. Yeah. Um, like, And I think there's a lot of players that when they came on the pitch, I was like, oh my God, this is... This is not a this is not a team that's going to compete at the Champions League, and no. I'm I know my previous statements, and I sat there very soberly going, "Ah, oh, shite! I, I forgot they had like Jacob Murphy." Um, <laughs> so I think there was like a, a gap in quality in general there. But um, before we finish on this game, very nice moment: Sandro Tonali given a standing ovation as he comes off the pitch from the San Siro. Um, he him asked after the game, "Would you come back to Milan?" He's like, "I've never hidden." my yeah, um, passion for Milan. When I was at Brescia, I never hid it. I won't hide it while I'm at Newcastle. Yeah. If I had the chance to come back to Milan, I would love to come back to Milan one mm-hmm. day. Um, I don't know how you feel about that as a Newcastle fan. Honestly, I don't think it's important. You knew yeah. when you signed him, he was leaving his boyhood club. Like There can't be any real complaints there, I suppose. But I think Milan fans would be more than happy to see him return one day. Um, yeah. But I thought he kind of shrank a little bit. He wasn't great in the game. Mm. It was, yeah, there was a few... Um, Disappointing performances that night. Um, yes. But in the other game, um, PSG um, defeated Dortmund 2 0. Goals yeah. from Kylian Mbappe, of course, and Ahraf Hakimi with a beautiful yeah. goal. Um, a very, very nice goal. Thoughts from this game beyond Dortmund are a little bit crap. I think this is still a team that's finding itself. Um, I think there was an interesting stat to say the average age of the PSG squad is now 25. So they've definitely reduced that. Um, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, they're still trying to understand uh, Luis Enrique philosophy, if that makes sense. And I think they'll get stronger in time. Uh, he's got, a very good coach. Yeah, he's a very got, good coach. got a good bunch of players, right? And I think they've brought down the egos, or at least there's still one remaining. Two of them. Fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but apart from that, uh, I think this team will kind of grow into this tournament. I feel they will get stronger and stronger. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were kind of blessed by the fact that they had this Dortmund side that really didn't offer too much. It's fair to say, um, you know, yeah, I, I, 
yeah, we, we've said it already when we uh, kind of previewed this group. We kind of expect Dortmund to be bottom of this particular yeah. grouping, and it was very evident. I think if you've got someone like Nicholas Fulkrieg up front, that kind of tells you its own story. This isn't the Dortmund sides that we've kind of looked and inspired from previously, so mm-hmm. I'm not holding too much hopes for it. But good win, although possibly PSG will feel disappointed that they didn't do more of a performance on the night, it's fair to say. I don't know. How do you feel about this? Dortmund were so close last season. Just fucking idiots. They could be such a different trajectory. It could, yeah. It could just be a completely different trajectory. It just isn't, is it? I was so underwhelmed by by what I saw of their performance. And PSG is an interesting one because they've had their worst start to the season since the Qataris Mm. took over. So they're currently outside the top five in the gun. Um, And that is insanity, really. Um, So it's definitely been a slow start for them. But as you said, they've reduced the um, average age of the squad. um, And they've got players that, like, maybe, again, being a bit more pragmatic, but players like Ugarte, Vicinia, um, Zaire Emery, which is fucking great. Yeah. Um, These are all, like, really good technical players. But young. So, like, yeah, given if... If they have like switched their kind of um, method and their their kind of modus operandi, yeah. and they think right, call it Luis Enrique's for the long term. This team in a few years could be an absolute like unstoppable. Exactly. You've got Mbappe, Colo Moani, like some really really good exciting players there. So I think yeah, just not quite yet, not, uh, yet. not quite yeah. yet. Um, but yeah, they did get the win regardless. Um, Dortmund. Looking at that squad, like I think Adeyemi, yeah, decent striker, but young. Marlon, yep. decent striker, but young. Just not that, not enough to like compete at the moment, really. Um, mm. So yeah, disappointing for them. I think they will finish bottom of that group. So good news, Newcastle fans. You should get Europa League. Um, <laughs> but we're going to move on to Group G, which is the, is the last Anglo-Italian um, in, uh, yeah. involvement, really. Group yeah, H, yeah. I don't think we're even really going to talk about. There's no point. So Group G... We're going to barely talk about Manchester City taking on Leipzig. Um, Manchester City 3, Leipzig 1. We very, very, very nearly came close to something interesting happening at the Etihad. Um, As the ridiculous number of chances that Man City... I think they broke the record for the most number of shots in a first half in the Champions League. I think it was 22 or 26 shots in the first half. Glazer... um, making life miserable for the other side of Manchester for once in goal um, <laughs> for Kavena Svesda, keeping everything out. Um, and then in the most FM thing of all time, Bukhari in the last yeah. minute of the first half breaks through one-on-one with the keeper. The City players are too busy appealing for offside, puts it in the bottom corner, VAR rule it out, but then it's given and it's 1-0 and they go in at halftime, um, 1-0 up and... All I can imagine the halftime team talk was like, can we finish the game now? Because we <laughs> all we've done is made them angry. Like all we've done is piss them yeah. off. It's almost like, like you, you just poke that little bear that you yeah. know is he's awake, but you just want to see if you can get a picture of him and then you realise yeah, oh yeah, shit, I've got push to run. It that bit too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, well the thing is, I'm like, oh, like scoring too early against Manchester City would be like 89th minute would be scoring too early against Man. <laughs> you need it to be like nil nil and it's last kick it game because exactly, otherwise yeah. you're not getting anything. Um, but Bakari did. It was a beautiful finish. It was a really calm finish. It was. Um, 
But there's two things I wanted to talk about here. Mm. One was Guardiola's reaction to Edison um, doing the Cruyff turn <laughs> as the keeper was cutting, <laughs> as the striker was running at him, um, which was just like the definition of like, oh, for fuck's sake, not now. <laughs> um, and I'll get your opinions on this. Is uh, Julian, Julian Alvarez massively underrated because Haaland takes all the plaudits? His first goal, I think his first one, oh, where yes. he, yeah, his first touch and an instant tap with the same foot yes. is an incredible finish going around the yeah. keeper. Like, how impressed have you been with him? Because I think, honestly, he's one of the best strikers in the Premier League already. I would say he's a player that's developing to be even better. I think off the back of last season, if you look at his records as well, he wasn't necessarily a goal scorer. So I think credit has to be given to Pep in terms of building him as well. Because if you remember, there was that moment in the summer where it looks like potentially Julio Alvarez kind of reconsiders whether he wants to stay at the club, right? He he, he kind of threatens that he wants, you know, game time, essentially. Um, and you know what? I mean, he's proving a hell of a kind of foil at the moment because, you know, the, all the attraction is towards Haaland, but actually this man is delivering. He's the one that's creating these opportunities. He's the one that's scoring all of these goals. And if it wasn't for him, I don't know if you feel there's a spark in that Man City squad because since Kevin De Bruyne got that injury, they've lacked that kind of creativity and they've had to get a player like Julio Alvarez to kind of come and blossom. And I think this is the interesting bit. It's kind of changed the dynamics of Pep's kind of tactics again. We mentioned last season about how uh, Jonathan Stones, Johnny Stones, is playing that Beckenbauer role. Well, now it's kind of like you alluded to a Monday night's review, which is front two, but you've got yeah, Harlan yeah. being the main man and kind of Julio Alvarez kind of does that kind of floating aspect where he kind of waits for the knockdowns, waits for these uh, kind of movements to take place, and then he kind of gets involved. So, yeah, he's starting to learn, and I think. What, what's great about him is his age. His age, he's got a lot of time now to develop yeah, and become so even young. greater. So I think, you know, for years to come, I think we could see even better things from him if he continues on the same trajectory. Um, but yeah, I, would, I wouldn't I would extend too far yet to say he's the best striker, Rory. I, I one, of, think, one of, I, I said, he's, one of. He'll one definitely of. develop even better in time. Let's put it that way. That's my view. I too. absolutely love watching him play. I love yeah. watching him play. I think he's so he's technical, so, so quick. Like, he's, he's finishing, you're right, he got five goals last season. He's already got four this season. So he's, like, properly starting mm. quickly. And, like, it feels like... Because he only really started playing the second half of last yeah. season, I want to say. So it feels like because it feels like he's really running into the league and getting mm. used to it very quickly. Because uh, ten goals in a calendar year or whatever is actually pretty impressive, yeah, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Um, but he's twenty three years old. And he's already won the World Cup, <laughs> the Champions League, the Premier <laughs> yes, he League. He's won, done the treble, won everything in Argentina. Like it is insanity. I think he's won the Copa America as well, right? Um, so just Probably. insanity. Absolutely mm. love that guy. Wish he wasn't at Man City, but absolutely love him. Um, and also, yeah, last last thing on this. In a classic, like no matter what Pep does, it goes well. He took off Bernardo Silva in the forty third minute in the yeah. first half and brought on Doku. Yeah. And I was sat there and I was like, what is he doing? Why not just wait till the second half? Like, mm. And then Doku comes on instantly and just starts creating chances, just rinsing everyone. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, no, I will never doubt Guardiola again. <laughs> like, when will, I'm never questioning him again. Whatever he does, 
it works. And Doku is, he's so good. He's yeah. like, when they signed him, I thought this is going to be trouble for everybody. Like mm. if now, now Guardiola wants players who can dribble, we're all in trouble. Like yeah. we yeah. are all, all in trouble. And that That's guy's it. an absolute baller. Um, the other game in this group was Young Boys against RB Leipzig. I need to find the score because I didn't even pay attention to it. Um, yeah. RB Leipzig won, right? Um, they did. I think I want to say it was by similar goal scoring line. Yeah, three one. Yeah, three one. Um, anything interesting? Oh, Benjamin Sesko became their youngest ever goal scorer in the Champions League. FM Wonder Kid legend. He scored in the ninety second minute yep. to make it three one. So a good start for RB Leipzig and. That is the Champions League, guys. As we are recording live, I'll very quickly take you through the Europa League scores. Brighton and AEK Athens is currently 2-2 in the 78th minute. Um, I'm sorry, Adam Atalanta are beating Rakov 2-0. Difficult trip for Rakov, that to start off. Jesus Christ. Um, And Ajax Marseille isn't disappointing. Ajax are 3-2 up against Marseille in Amsterdam. That group... The first game week in that group, and there's already nine goals. Like, that group is going to be so much fun. So much fun. Um, And earlier in the day, Roma beat Sheriff 2-1. They came from 1-0 down, I think. No, they went 1-0 up. Um, Tovar equalized for Sheriff. And Lukaku, recently dropped by Rock Nation Lukaku. Jay-Z no longer wants anything to do with him. Um, got the winner for Roma and Liverpool came from one nil down an absolute banger of a goal from Flecker. If you've not seen it, what a strike um, to put them one nil up. Uh, but Liverpool managed to get win three, one a Darwin Nunez penalty. I saw the penalty. I thought it was pretty soft uh, that the penalty was given, but they did get the penalty and yeah, they got the win in the end. That is the Europa league for now. Should we very quickly do the cooler, even cooler kids club cooler conference kids. league. Let's do it. I'm Let's just looking true. Adam, Legia Warsaw beat Aston Villa. How huge is this? Massive. Um, all I would say is Legia have got a bit of a history for turning up in the Champions League. You may recall that one season that Blackburn Rovers won the Premier League. They then took them on the uh, following year and beat them and had a bit of a run going into the quarterfinals that year mm. of the Champions League. So, you know, They've got heritage um, and yeah, on the day, Rory, I did manage to catch a bit of this game. I didn't watch it from the very beginning, but they did deserve it. They put a lot of pressure. You could see Unai Emery really screwing at it. But one thing I want to just highlight quickly, Unai Emery yesterday was at the training pitches of Legia Warsaw, obviously with his squad. And he noticed that their Legia Warsaw uh, team, there was a women's game. And he was speaking to the coach and just giving him tips and just talking to him. Wow. I thought that was brilliant. There's uh, something that I've retweeted, nice but he was just yeah. speaking to this Polish coach and giving so much expert like knowledge and things to consider. And it was beautiful seeing it. So if you want to have a look, Twitter, I've retweeted it. And there's a little video showing you and I, Emery, talking to this coach. It's beautiful. Um, but yeah, onto the match. Aston Villa, very disappointed. I think on the summary they will feel like they should have probably pushed themselves a bit more on the night. They had the chances potentially to bring it back to three or, but fantastic result for Legia. And that's incredible result. Up. Honestly, yeah. the atmosphere, as you can imagine, looked absolutely yes. insane there as well. Um, yeah. And the game of the round, without a doubt, um, Zrinski, I hope I'm saying that right, against AZ Altmar. They were 3-0 oh, down yeah. against AZ Altmar in the first half. 
They came back in the second half to win 4-3. Um, absolutely incredible scenes. Mm. Um, yeah, scoring in the 81st minute to make it 4-3. So AZ Altmar absolutely shit in the bed there. But a, for their first ever game in the tournament, Zrinski, that is insane. So absolutely love that. Guys, we are going to go for a very quick break. That's all of Europe done. I need my throat's hurting. I need some <laughs> yeah, hot you tea. Need a break. Um, and we're going to come back with a very quick ish um preview of Serie A and Premier League and of course our mastermind quiz see you in a bit hi I'm David Wheeler and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian podcast we are back and it's time to talk domestic football enough of that European nonsense we want to be talking (laughs) proper English proper Italian football and Adam take us through what do we have to look forward to this weekend in Serie A. Yeah, so we haven't got too many of your big kind of clashes that are going to happen over this weekend period. And interestingly, Rory, this is going to be a combined effort over the next three days because there is a bit of midweek action in Serie A as well. But we kick off tomorrow evening with a bit of a relegation derby potentially. So Salernitana take on Frosinone. Frosinone, you've been really rating them of late, um, but this could be a massive game for Salernitana. Mm-hmm. They haven't started off very well. Paolo Sosa might be under some pressure. We'll see what that Classic. turns out in terms mm-hmm. of a result. Then we've also got Lecce, who are doing really well at the moment, taking on Genoa, who were just unlucky against Napoli. Um, that's the 7.45 p.m. kickoff, so keep an eye for that one. That should be quite an open game. I, I feel mm. that's the way it's going to be. But we'll move on to Saturday's games. We've got Milan taking on Hellas Verona at 2 o'clock. Um, Hellas Verona doing quite well with Marcos Baroni in charge at the moment, so could be an opportunity for Hellas potentially to take a point at Milan. We'll wait and see. If but, Milan don't win that, Pioli is in big trouble. Yes, there could be a few words said afterwards. Let's wait and see, Rory. But then we've also got Sassuolo taking on Juventus at 5pm. And then at 7.45pm, we've got Lazio at home to Monza. And if we move into Sunday, then we've also got Empoli taking on Inter at 11.30. It does feel like Empoli are going to concede at least another five goals here, potentially. Could they even get one goal? But we have to remember, Empoli have got a habit of winning these kind of games before in the past. So I think Inter should be wary, but it should be comfortable for them, Rory. And then in terms of the other matches, we've got Atalanta taking on Calgary, Udinese versus Fiorentina. That's the 2 p.m. kickoffs. At 5 p.m., we've got Bologna taking on Napoli, which could be a semi-ish decent game to watch out for this weekend. And then on the late kickoff, 7.45 p.m., we've got Torino taking on Roma. Roma probably unlikely to score seven this time, but Torino, very underrated side. Going under the radar to an extent, I would say, Rory. Uh, They've Mm. got some good players. You know, this feels like a two-all. It feels like a draw, doesn't it? Yeah, it does feel like a draw. Torino just always quietly get about the business, don't they? They always just <laughs> yeah. perfectly, not bothering anyone, but manage to get like 10th and then just yeah. move on. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think that could be an interesting game. I think it could be an interesting But Bologna-Napoli is the one that I'm kind of intrigued by because I think Bologna could get a result there. Um, and that would be 
more narrative, which is what we like. Yes, um, in the Premier League, let's do it. Yeah. We've got Manchester City, one-time Champions League winners, taking on Nottingham Forest, two-times Champions League winners, as Pep Guardiola was more than keen to point out. Um, that is the first three o'clock. There's no game before the three o'clock kickoffs wow. on Saturday. Um, okay. Then following the three o'clock kickoffs, we've got a London derby as Crystal Palace take on Fulham. Crystal Palace oh. with the second top scorer in the league, Odson Edward, <laughs> and so kicking off contract talks with Abere Eze. Interesting times okay. at Crystal Palace. Fulham banging trouble, it feels like. It feels like since Mitrovic has gone... Jimenez isn't really that replacement, is no. he? He doesn't look like He's that guy. He's not the same kind of player yeah. to... He doesn't even do the celebration, so, you know, no. they can't can't do it. But yeah, they, they really do need see, a goal-scoring striker, don't they, Fulham, I feel. Mm-hmm. That's what they're they, missing. They do feel like they're lacking there, unfortunately. So it could be a win for Palace there, I think. Then we have Luton Town taking on Wolves. I'm personally a very big fan of Luton fans at the moment, just turning around to every arrogant Premier League fan and just telling them to fuck <laughs> off. Um, I've seen a lot of it on Twitter. More power to your elbow, boys, because there's a lot of arrogant fans in the Premier League who don't go to games. Um, Luton versus Wolves, bit of a relegation scrap there, I suppose. Brentford versus Everton. (sighs) Brentford are going to win that. That that is a (laughs) absolute certainty that Brentford win that. Um, We have Burnley taking on Manchester United in what could be a tricky tie for United. They shouldn't be expecting to win that. Burnley, obviously, massively underwhelming, really. I think people expected Mm. a lot more from them when they came up, but defensively, they've looked wide open. So maybe this is a time for Man United to get the win they need. Mm-hmm. Um, then continuing, that is the late kickoff on Saturday. Sorry. Um, on Sunday, then we have in the early kickoff at two o'clock, Chelsea taking on Aston Villa. Chelsea feels like an upside down world. Chelsea with a week's rest and Aston Villa recovering <laughs> from Europe. This is going to be As an interesting, now. it's going to be an interesting one that um, if Chelsea can hit a barn door, um, we'll let you know. Have you seen the video where the guy kept increasing the goal for Nicholas Jackson taking the <laughs> shot until it went in? It's just incredible in the Bournemouth game. I think it got to like 325% the size and then it went in. Um, right. Really cruel, but very funny yeah. video. Um, it's like, could be a good match there, but tricky for Chelsea. Then we have the big one on Sunday. <sighs> At the same time, we have Arsenal taking on Spurs. Um uh, if Spurs come and play open attacking football, I I hope they come and play open attacking football. That's, what That's you're all hoping. I'm going to say. Yeah, I hope Tottenham come out and try and play their own game. Um, if they try and do a disgusting low block, then we might struggle a little bit more. Um, but I think Ange is the type of manager to just play what he wants to play. Yes, um, yeah, I was going to so say. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'll just PSV say, the I think first... there'll be lots of goals in this one. There's going to be lots of goals yeah. in this. Um, there always is. North London Derby <laughs> is the best fixture in the Premier League. It just is. Um, but, um, yeah, PSV were the first team that came out and tried to play football against us this season. I know PSV aren't, aren't as good as Spurs, but I think if Spurs come out and try and play football, it could be ugly. Um, we will see. We have Liverpool taking on West Ham, which is always an interesting game mm-hmm. as well. Um, Brighton taking on Bournemouth. And then the late game in what is now, I think it's officially called the Newcastle slot. I think it's called the Newcastle United slot. Um, the late kickoff um, okay. on a Sunday or Saturday, yeah, vary course, it. Yeah. Um, they are forcing the country 
to watch Newcastle United because sports washing doesn't work, kids. Um, that is Sheffield United taking on Newcastle because, of course, that's the game. Why would anyone want to watch Liverpool versus West Ham? Why would anyone want to watch the North London derby or Chelsea versus Villa that are all not. at the same time when you can watch Newcastle versus Sheffield United? Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Mind blown. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. But, you know, TV continues to ruin football. Um, Good. I think we're going to leave it there for now because I'm getting myself angry. And we're going (laughs) to go to the Mastermind quiz right after this theme tune. With the tension adequately built, it is time for the Mastermind (laughs) Quiz. And this time, Adam, it is your turn to take on the quiz. Um, Now, I have two topics for you that you can choose, as always. The first topic is um, English players... No, Italian players in England. Mm -hmm. Or we have debut teams in Europe in the 23-24 season. Oh God! I, I do you know what? I'm actually going to go with Italian players in oh. England purely because, as much as it's frustrating for you, Rui, I think I'll be very poor at the other one. No, and I no, need some fine. points. I need some points now. Hey, look! You, you've you've got to play to win. You've got to play. You've <laughs> exactly. got to take the choices that make sense. It absolutely makes sense. So, um, <laughs> I'm going to have to do a timer of one minute on my phone whilst reading the questions. Um, here we go. Right. So. Let's do this. Um, I'll edit this all out so it sounds much tidier in the edit. Um, Here we go. One minute and go. Who was the first Italian to play in the Premier League? Paolo Di Cagno? No. Which Premier League team has had the most Italian players? Chelsea? Good. Which Italian has scored the most goals in the Premier League? Gianfranco Zola. No. How many Italian managers have won the Premier League? Two. No. Which player... Which... Who is the most expensive Italian player? Uh, Scamacca. No. Which two Italian players have won the Premier League? Players. Players. It's going to kill me. I'll let you give an answer. Federico Michieda. No. No, that's a great shout, though. I thought he would have won it with Man United. Oh. No, I'm going to have to give you pass. one more guess. I'm going to have to pass. I'm going to have no, to pass. No, okay. Well, Adam, you got two, which isn't bad. Yeah. You got two. I'm so the first one was really gone. difficult. I apologize. I'm going to say, I'm going to guess now, Marco Matarazzi. No, no. Whoa. Another great shout, though. Shit. The first Italian to play in the Premier League, he played for Nottingham Forest. Ah, uh, Silesny. Silesny. Silenzi. Andrea Silenzi, yeah. exactly. Which Premier League team has the most Italian players? You got that right with Chelsea. Chelsea. They've had 13 Italian players yep. at the time of research. Um, good. <laughs> yep. Number three, which Italian has scored the most goals in the Premier League? It was between two. It's Di Canio with 66 uh, goals. I should have thought of that, 
how many Italian managers have won the Premier League? Um, it's four: Conte, wow. of course, Ancelotti, Ranieri, yeah, I forgot, and Mancini. Yeah. I got yeah. Mancini and Ranieri. I forgot about the other two. Um, which player or who was the most expensive Italian player? I Sandro Tonali. Oh, of course. Why? Why yeah, did I, I not think recent, of that? Yeah. I know. So annoying. And which two Italian players have won the Premier League? One for Man City, one for Chelsea. Just trying to think for Man City now. Who would have been? Come on, legend of the game. But Mario. Mario Exactly. (laughs) Super Mario. Super Mario. And then one for Chelsea. Goalkeeper. Cudicini. Now that you say it. I was thinking for some reason a defender then, but yeah. Okay. Fine. You got one, Adam, I think. Two. Two, wasn't it? Oh, did you say Decanio? You said Decanio, right? I said Decanio for a different one, didn't I? Yeah. I said it for the first question, if you remember. First I'll go Italian. back and check and edit this. But you either got <laughs> one or two. We'll find out. Um, just for the listeners, we've got two more questions. Which Italian has the most Premier League appearances? Italian most Premier League appearances. Decanio? Zola, Zola, you keep going for the wrong one. And which Italian won the FA Cup twice as a player and once as a manager? Di Matteo? Yeah, good, nice. Yes, there we go, good. Okay, wasn't too bad. Wasn't too bad. That wasn't bad. Yeah, wrong knowledge and different answers, right? When I was doing the quiz, I was like, each one you could say Zola or Di Canio, and it's just... <laughs> Diali, Casaraghi. <laughs> which one you want to go for, really? Yeah. Um, but guys, that is us for this week. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Adam, anything to say before I give them the usual spiel? No, thank you for listening, and we look forward to some more football over the weekend. So join us on Monday night. We want to see your faces on that live stream giving us questions so we'll uh, look forward to seeing you on monday exactly yeah you can find us on twitter at italian anglo pod on instagram at anglo italian pod and on tiktok at italian anglo pod if you are watching on youtube now hit the like and subscribe button if you are listening give us a follow on your chosen podcast app give us a rating five star would be nice and leave a comment if you're extra bored slash generous that would be really nice and as always tell a friend if yes. you enjoyed it be like oh i listened to this and it wasn't terrible why not give it a go um i think that would be quite good yeah um get those numbers up and we are going to leave you with our weekly quote of the week uh, that was terrible and it's from a player that i've given a lot of stick to in the past because uh, sometimes he sounds like a right donut but other times <laughs> he gives interviews and i think you're all right you are but this is from troy deeney mm. um and here we go from the telegraph um i spent a bit of time in dubai in the summer and i saw a few lads footballers i won't name names who can't get a club who have been out for two years because in my opinion of their ignorance they are used to earning a certain amount of money used to playing at a certain level everyone thinks they've quit they've been offered to clubs and thought i'm too good for that but it's ignorance we are just so up our own asses now footballers people think we are entitled we are not entitled i think we've just got so comfortable with the luxuries that are the prem and now championship that it's like oh i'm not going to league two well Think about when you started. It was your dream. You would have done anything to say football was your job. 
Thanks for joining us, guys. We will see you next week. Ciao, ciao. Podcast Network.